Pasteric has been going through a series on the solas and uh, this morning I like us to consider sola scriptura scripture alone sola is Latin for alone and sola scriptura is a very important slogan during the reformation at least everyone of you has a Bible in English and if you study the history of it that Bible came with a great cost there are two people who are associated with getting the Bible into English any guesses who are the two people who were associated early in the translation of the Bible into English Tyndale, yes, William Tyndale. No one else? There's someone else? It's John Wycliffe. So John Wycliffe used the Latin Vulgate, Vulgate to translate the Bible into English. That is John Wycliffe. Tyndale used the Greek and the Hebrew scripture. That is the original language. To translate the, uh, the Bible into English. So, when we talk about sola scriptura uh, during the Reformation, there are really two primary issues related to Scripture. Nobody discounted that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. There were two issues relating to the Scripture. The issue was how do we know that the Scripture? Is the word of God and so during the Reformation you had the reformers and you had the Catholic Church and the big issue was how do we know that the Bible is the word of God and the Catholic said Catholic Church said what what did they say relating to the word of God how do you know that the Bible is the word of God what do you think the Catholic Church said the Roman Catholic Any guesses? <laughs> yes, to some extent that's true. Uh, they say that the word of God, you're able to know that the word of God is the word of God because the church tells you so. Uh, what did the reformation reformers say regarding the word of God? How do you know that the word of God is God's word? Yes, the word of God itself testifies. It is self-authenticating. So the first issue was, how do you know that the word of God is God's word? The second issue was the right to interpret scripture. And both of these issues boils down to the issue of authority. The Catholic Church said, when it comes to scripture, the only one who can give you the interpretation is who? the church the reformer said scripture interprets scripture so you see in both cases the catholic church depended on the supreme authority of the church as the final arbiters while the protestants believed that the supreme authority lied in the holy scripture and so 
the issue of the Bible, this is a very important um, slogan, even today, because even today people are still shedding blood because of the Bible. There are countries where if you're found with a Bible, it is treason. You're killed. Just our neighbor here in Somalia, and, and, and you, you, there are people who smuggle the Bibles into that country, and uh, some sadly are arrested, some are caught. And in October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis on the door in Wittenberg. And it was basically an invitation to debate. And in this 95 Thesis, he was dealing with the sale of indulgences. Luther was outraged by the idea of buying forgiveness. So the solas tell us what the Reformation was all about. So these are the watchwords for the Reformation. And so we've looked at grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and today consider scripture alone. So sola scriptura, the contest was in the question of authority. The Bible says that it is the sole authority of all matters of faith and practice. So sola scriptura was a refutation of the authority of the Pope. The reformers were saying the authority of the church is derived from scripture so that the theologians do not have the authority so that the Pope or the congregation, they do not have authority. Authority is only derived from the word of God. So faith alone, as we've looked at, answers the most important question. How is man made right with God? And the answer is man is justified by faith alone and not a combination of faith and works. Christ alone has to do with God's saving work, which comes through Christ alone. And we looked at Christ as the only mediator between God and man. The Pope is not the mediator. Virgin Mary is not the mediator. The priest is not the mediator. Neither is the pastor. So the saving work of God begins and ends with Jesus Christ. So that faith alone, through Christ alone, through grace alone, and grace from the beginning to the end. So grace is the unmerited favor and love and care to us through Christ. And so the reformers were very insistent on the word sola. Sola means alone. Because if you, if you leave it out, you have not said enough. So if you say, to God be the glory, you've le left out uh, an opening. Uh, someone can add the Pope there at the end. To God be the glory and the Pope. And so they had to say, to God alone be the glory. Because it's the work of God alone. It's God alone who gives the grace to receive salvation. Hence, he receives all the glory. So this, there's another aspect of the Reformation called Semper Reformanda, uh, which has to do with the church is reforming and it is always reforming. Even today, the church is always reforming. The church is always becoming more and more biblical. Because 
we believe that um, revelation of God throughout history continues in the life of the church. So why do you think that reformation still matters today? Why is, it why is this series relevant even today? Any tries? That's very true. We need, this teaching is very important because the word of God is still important, it's still relevant even today. And uh, the second reason as Simon is saying, because this very word is still under threat. So <clears throat> the reformation is important because the gospel matters, because theology matters. Men and women, and even children, were willing to give themselves to die for these truths. But the sad thing in many to, uh, in to today, uh, in the sad thing is many today are not ready to do that. By and large, you are not. These truths are very important because heaven and hell are at stake. It matters how a person is made right with God. Paul says, if anyone comes to you and preaches to you another gospel, let him, let him be a cast. So the gospel matters, the reformation matters. And so to embrace the solas, the five slogans of the reformation, is to embrace reformed theology, is to embrace biblical truth. The Roman church believed that scripture is one of three authorities. What are those other authorities that they believed in? They believe that scripture is one of three authorities. What are the other things that the Roman Catholic Church believed in? Yes, yes tradition. Yes, magisterium. That is the church because they were the church and the state were together. So they also believed the church as a source of authority and they also believed tradition so they saw all of them as equal sources of authority Paul tells Timothy to retain the standard of sound doctrine he tells Timothy to guard the deposits so that the truth of God matters so Next Monday, which will be the 31st of October, it will be 505 years. Uh, that will be the anniversary of the Reformation. And these teachings should, we should embrace as, as biblical people because they help us to understand who a Christian is.
Martin Luther, um, he was declared a heretic. So during that time, the Catholic Church um, was the only source of authority. So that if you went against it, you were excommunicated and you were declared a heretic. And if you read during those times, excommunication was a scary thing because there's a lot of mysticism, there's a lot of superstitions. So if you had someone has been uh, excommunicated, uh, it was as if such person has been cast. Um, and so Luther stands before, um, stands at the Diet of Worms with the emperor and a number of princes and this is one of his famous quotes. He says, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen. You have to admire his courage because um, the Pope was the highest authority. You can imagine the highest authority in the land to the point that the Pope used to, to crown kings. And this is what Luther said, that he was not going to bow down to popes, to councils, or accept the authority because his conscience is captive to the word of God. Let me, let me read um, what, um, what the Vatican II says, that is, um, it's like a catechism for the Catholic Church, so that you can get a picture of what they believe in. They say, in order that the full and living gospel might always be preserved in the church, the apostles left bishops as their successors. They gave them their own position of teaching authority. Indeed, the apostolic preaching, which is expressed in a special way in the inspired books, was to be preserved in a continuous line of succession until the end of time. So, what they believed in is that God continued to, to speak through apostles, and those apostles were the bishops. And so that the bishops were the only authority to interpret scripture. Uh, and you could not go against them. So their preaching, they say, was like inspired books. And they were supposed to be preserved in a continuous line of succession until the end of time. Something else I read, they say, the task of giving an authentic interpretation of the word of God, whether in its written form or in the form of tradition, has been entrusted to the living teaching office of the church alone. Its authority in this matter is exercised in the name of Jesus Christ. This means that the task of interpretation has been entrusted to the bishops in communion with the successor of Peter, the bishop of Rome. End of quote. So when Luther said that his conscience is captive to the word of God, what he was going against is a 1,000 years of church history and tradition, or what we call the Dark Ages. 
for the 1,000 years, um, the church was in bondage. People did not have access to the word of God. Um, people could not interpret for themselves the scriptures. And all those who had made the claims that Luther had made, they were ashes all over Europe. They had been burnt at the stake, they had been murdered. Because to deny the authority of the Pope, to deny the authority of church councils, to deny apostolic succession, to deny the church as, as a whole in its right to interpret the word of God, that was, that was treason. That was like a death sentence. And so for the reformers, scripture alone meant that it was the Bible and Bible alone which contains special and direct revelation from the Lord. The Bible and the Bible alone is authoritative for all matters of faith and practice so that there is nothing outside the Bible that can bind the conscience of human beings. The scripture is sufficient for all matters of faith and practice. We do not need popes, we do not need councils, we do not need the state telling us whether the Bible is sufficient or not. So the first thing I'd like us to look at regarding Sola Scriptura is the issue of authority. Authority. So as we've said, the issue is not inspiration because the Catholic Church believed that the Bible is inspired. The issue is not about inerrancy or infallibility. The issue was about authority. Who had the right to interpret the word of God? And so we look at authority and we we'll see out of authority came sufficiency. So authority. And this is the instrumental course during the Reformation. The issue of authority was who has authority in the life of a believer. And the church in Rome said that authority in the life of a believer rested in the church. The reformers said authority in the life of a believer rested in the word of God. So when you talk about authority, you're talking here about divine authority. And you're saying when the Bible speaks, God speaks. When the Bible makes a claim, an absolute claim that claim is as if God is speaking directly to you so that to disbelieve or disobey the word of God is to disbelieve and disobey God himself so where do we get the idea of authority let's turn to 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. Someone can read for us. So the issue of authority. It's clearly set out there. It says all scripture, not some scripture, not 
most of the scripture all scripture is god breathed so if it is god breathed who is the source god himself and it is god who gives authority to the scripture uh, we'll come back to that but let's look at second peter chapter 1 Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 22. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 22. Someone can read that. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 22. Someone please read. So Peter is making the claim here that this prophetic word, this word of God, is even more sure than what the sensational experience he had at the Mount of Transfiguration. And sadly, that's one of the excesses of the charismatic church. They put a lot of emphasis on experiences and feelings and emotions while they fail to realize that there is something more sure than what they're experiencing. Peter is saying there is something more sure than the sensational feeling, than the experience that I had on the Mount of Transfiguration. And here is the nature of scripture. Men were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they spoke from God. So that book you're holding is authoritative because of the source of it, who is God, who is authoritative, is the divine author of the book. So the Roman Catholic Church will not dispute that the Bible is God-breathed. They will not dispute that the Bible was written by men who were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But the dispute was, how do we know that the Bible is the word of God? The Catholic Church said, you know, it is the word of God because we told you so. If the church doesn't tell you this is the authoritative word of God, then you're not going to know that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. And this is something that the reformers really struggled and wrestled with. Because if you're going to dispute the authority of popes and councils and the church, how are you going to know that the Bible is the authoritative word of God? Because for them, it was not simply um, saying the Bible is the word of God because the Bible tells you so. They felt that was not a good enough answer. That, that was a circular answer. And here we see Calvin shining very brightly. There are so many uh, quotes, but uh, I'll read a few of them. Calvin says, Calvin says, let this point therefore stand. Those whom the Holy Spirit has inwardly taught truly 
rests upon scripture. And that scripture indeed is self-authenticated. Hence, it is not right to subject it to proof and reasoning. And the certainty it deserves with us, it attains by the testimony of the Spirit. For even if it wins reverence for itself by its own majesty, it seriously affects us only when it is sealed upon our hearts through the Spirit. Calvin is saying, you're able to know that the Bible is the word of God because it testifies to your spirit that this is the scripture. So that when you became a believer, no one had to tell you that you, you, you need to read the Bible. You just knew. You just knew. So, so that the, the Holy Spirit living inside of you testifies that this is the word of God. So we can say the Bible is the word of God because it is self-authenticated, because it testifies. But you see, Calvin goes further and says, um, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you illumines you and affirms to you. He continues to say, therefore, illumined by his power, we believe neither by our own nor by anyone else's judgment that scripture is from God. But above human judgment, we affirm with utter certainty, just as if we were gazing upon the majesty of God himself, that it has flowed to us from the very mouth of God by the ministry of men. We seek no proofs, no marks of genuineness upon which our judgment may lean, but we subject our judgment and which to it as to a thing far beyond any guesswork. Calvin is saying, we do not need any proof, any judgment, any reasoning. But the Bible itself testifies. Testifies as if it is the very mouth of God speaking to us from the ministry of men. And then he says, hence, the highest proof of scripture is uniformly taken from the character of him whose word it is. So the Bible is the word of God, he's saying here, because... The highest proof is the character of God. So you're able to believe that this is the word of God because it talks about his character. It is a reflection of who God is. And then he says, our conviction of the truth of scripture must be derived from a higher source than human conjectures, judgments, or reasons, namely the secret testimony of the spirit. I say, you're able to know that the word of God is the word of God, not based on your reason or your judgment, but based on a high authority. That is God. He says, namely the secret testimony of the Spirit. So Calvin debunks the view that authority of the Bible rests to the church. Um, Calvin, lastly, I'll, I'll read this last quote. He says, while the church receives and gives its seal of approval to the scriptures, it does not thereby render authentic what is otherwise doubtful or controversial. So he's saying the church does not make the Bible authentic or real. He continues, he says, but because the church recognizes scripture to be the truth of its own God as a pious duty, it unhesitatingly, hesitatingly, venerate scripture as to their question how can we be assured 
that this has sprung from God unless we have recourse to the degree of the church? It is as if someone asked, whence will, will we learn to distinguish light from darkness, white from black, sweet from bitter? Indeed, scripture exhibits fully as clear evidence of its own truth as white and black things to do with their color or sweet and bitter things to do with their taste. Calvin is saying, how do you know something is bitter or sweet? It's by tasting it. How do you know something, how, how can you distinguish light from darkness? By looking at it. And he's saying, it's very clear from scripture that there's an internal witness from God so that when you read scripture, when you interact with scripture, it's very real to you. You're able to know that this is the word of God. And he says, and, and external testimonies, evidences such as archaeology and such things, they, they do not have a place. They, they are secondary evidences. They are not the main evidences. Any question or anything you'd like to say before we move on? So Calvin's view of how we are able to know the Bible is authoritative rests upon the Bible itself. And it claims come through the witness of the one who reads it. So sola scriptura, scripture alone, compels us, brethren, to obey all the doctrines that are there in the Bible. Those who believe, those who obey the Bible, do so from a grace-transformed heart. It's only the renewed heart that makes you to delight in the word of God. It's only, the, it's only a heart that has been changed, compels you to love and to obey the precepts and the command of the Lord. So the reformers did not seek an authoritarian uh, approach with the word of God. You cannot force people to believe that this is um, th th this is the authoritative word of God. But they sought to expound the, the word of God as, as sweeter than honey. As the psalmist says, oh how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. It's only a heart that has been changed that can approach the scriptures in that way. So if we embrace sola scriptura, we should say with a transformed heart, like Job, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Job 23 verse 12. And so out of the authority of scripture, there's another issue that came up. And secondly, sufficiency. Sufficiency. What we mean by sufficiency is the word of God contains everything necessary to know God, to know yourself, to know sin, to know salvation, and to live a Christian life. So if this book is authoritative, then it is sufficient for everything that you need. So if there is any issue that is very important right now, it is the sufficiency of scripture. The Bible is sufficient because it's through the word of God that you're given spiritual life. 
It's through the word of God that you're sustained in your Christian walk. Peter tells us that you have been ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like a lamb without blemish or spot. James tells us that you've been bought, you've been brought forth by the word of truth, James 1.18. So how does anyone come into the kingdom? How is anyone rescued from the power of darkness? How does anyone experience the new birth? It's through the instrumentality of the word of God. People are not saved apart from the word of God. The word of God is effective for your salvation, for your spiritual growth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So scripture is sufficient because it is the source of your spiritual birth. It's the source of your spiritual life. The same word that brings us into the spiritual realm is the same word that sustains us in our spiritual walk. Um, Moses in his sermon in Deuteronomy talks about the word of God and he says, For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. That the word of God is not vain or empty words. He says, the word of God is your very life. Second Timothy, we've looked at it. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, do you need teaching, doctrine in your life? Do you need correction? Do you need reproof? Do you need instructions? You need all that so that what can happen, you may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the Bible makes us competent for every work. There's another issue which uh, also arose during the Reformation. Uh, it has to do with interpretation. So authority, sufficiency, the third thing is interpretation. So to do with interpretation, the church in Rome agreed that the Bible is authoritative, but you, saw, you see their definition of authority is different from the reformers. The church in Rome could not say that the Bible is sufficient. So that is why many reformers, above everything else, they preach the word of God. Talk of Calvin, Luther, Zwingli. Most of them, they were preachers of the word of God. So the church in Rome had stated that you do not have the right to interpret scripture for yourself. The church said that we alone have the right to interpret scripture. And the Pope was the highest authority in medieval Europe. And so the Catholic Catechism says the task of interpreting the word of God authentically has been entrusted solely to the magisterium of the church that is to the Pope and to the bishops in communion with him 
And that's why when Luther stood before the Diet of Worms, you have to admire his incredible courage. Um, the church used to say, we alone have the key, we alone have the mind of Christ. Everyone else should listen. If you go against what the church has interpreted, you are a heretic. That's why early reformers like John Huss were burnt to the stake. Many people were killed because they refused to bow to the church and to the pope and to the councils. And so the reformers used the word perspicuity, that the scripture is perspicuity. Perspicuity means that the scripture is clear. It is transparent. It is plain. And the scripture is plain because that everything relating to the basic message of the Bible is very clear. It is very transparent. Everything to do with God, sin, salvation, forgiveness, that message is sufficiently clear for anyone to pick and read in, it, in their own language. And that's why Luther, when by the time he, he nailed the 95 Thesis, he was fully convinced that the word of God should be heard and read by all. So that there was a staged uh, kidnapping of Luther. If, if, you, if you read his, his story or, or watch um, some documentaries, that he was kidnapped by his own supporters because they had fear that he was going to be killed. And during that time, Luther translated the Bible into the German language. He knew that whenever the people read the Bible in their vernacular, the Reformation will spread. And indeed the Reformation spread. It spread to the point that he says, so, so these uh, people came to him and asked him uh, how, how, what he did for the word of God to spread. Luther says, I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And he says, and while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the word of God so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever afflicted such losses upon it. Luther says, I did nothing. The word did everything. Luther, Calvin, all the reformers knew that if the Bible was to be translated, the Reformation would spread, and indeed, that was what happened. So the reformers believed that scripture interpreted scripture. Since there was only one author of the scripture, and the scripture is consistent, it's a book with continuity, it has no contradiction, therefore, God alone is his own best interpreter. The reformer stood firm that scripture alone is clear. It shall be interpreted by itself. And when that is done, the voice of God is heard. See, that is the turning point in the history of the church. For 1,000 years, the church was in bondage to superstitions, to the church, uh, to, to the Roman Catholic church, to the papacy, to corrupt clergy. The church was in darkness, you are not allowed to have a Bible, especially in your vernacular. So the kind of darkness 
was completely unacceptable to the reformers. They stood up for the sole authority of the Holy Scripture. They stood up for the sole sufficiency of the Holy Scripture. They stood up for Scripture interpreting Scripture. And many of us, and many of the churches today, if you read their statements of faith, um, you may be convinced to think that they agree with what we agree with. And the statement of faith may only be lip service. When you attend that church, you find that they're not practicing the things that are in their website. And one of the things we are compelled to do, if we really believe in Sola Scriptura, is to preach the word of God. After Paul talks about the inspiration of scripture, he says, after he, he says all scripture is God breathed out by God. He goes on to say in chapter 4, he says, I charge you in the presence of God, he's speaking to Timothy, and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. If we really believe in Sola Scriptura, one of the first things we are going to do is to preach the word. So the sad reality is many churches, the word of God is no longer preached. And our exposition of the word of God is deemed too much. At this day and age, the pulpit is filled with, with how-to sermons that have nothing to do with the word of God. Sola Scriptura is only in theory, but never in practice. So God has always brought reformation to his church. How has he brought reformation? Through the faithful proclamation of his word. That is what has marked reformation. That is what has marked the great awakening. It's not the drama, it's not the entertainment, it's not the theatrics. The power of the new birth, the power to walk in the newness of life, is in the word of God. Why will you preach anything else? Many pastors will not preach the doctrines of grace because they need to keep their congregation. If they did so, they will lose their congregation. And as long as that is the case, we cannot expect any reformation. When we depart from preaching the word of God, we forfeit any blessings from God. If we preach the word of God, we must also, secondly, follow it in our life. So Sola Scriptura sets the stage for how the church of Jesus Christ will run. How the church of Jesus Christ will worship. And God alone can have instructions of how his church will operate because he died to purchase for his bride. Christ alone can tell us how we worship him because the church belongs to him. So what we have today is people worshiping according to their own devices. There's a lot of public acclaim, a lot of showmanship, a lot of stage presence. And people forget who wrote the Bible. The Bible is fully divine, it is fully human. So if you believe in Sola Scriptura, 
indeed will seek to uphold it in our life. And then lastly, I'd like to talk about final revelation. So the scripture is the final revelation from God. So if scripture is the ultimate revelation, all other revelations are not needed. They are redundant. If we believe in sola scriptura, we believe that the word of God is authoritative, it is sufficient for life and godliness, and all other revelations are not necessary. And you see, that, that is the dilemma with the charismatic movement. How do you reconcile sola scriptura with the, the ongoing revelation? How do you reconcile a final authoritative revelation of Jesus Christ with a further revelation? See, the reformers were completely dependent on the word of God. They were dependent on the word of God for reformation, for conversion, for pushing back the power of darkness. And they knew that the word of God did it all. So Luther could write in his great hymn, A Mighty Fortress, and he says, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. May God indeed restore the church of Jesus Christ to not only preach it, but also to practice sola scriptura. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the great reminder that indeed you have given it to us for instructions, for correction, for rebuke, for reproof, for teaching. We ask that we may be a people who are fully committed to sola scriptura, scripture alone. Help us to value it that it should be at the center of our lives. The Bible should guide us in all matters regarding faith and practice. We pray that you may help us as we continue to worship you this day. Pray that your word will continue to come forth in the power of your spirit and help us to live obediently to it. These things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.